I just uh, felt this morning in the prayer meeting, just, just this phrase come to me, what you're full of is what other people will drink of. What you're full of, other people drink of. And my prayers this morning, and I just, I actually don't know how much I'm going to share what I've, I've prepared because I feel like there's so much fullness that's happened already <laughs> of filling the tank, you know. And when uh, Jesus asked the servants to fill the, the clay jars with water, he said, fill it to the brim and then pour it out. And when we fill ourselves with the water and the freshness of, he, of who he is, our lives become living miracles of wine that others can taste. And uh, this morning I'm trusting that, that all of us go out of this place full. That's what I shared with the, when I did the children's uh, gathering a, while back, uh, a few weeks back. I said, man, I want you to go out full. Full. And this morning I was going to, uh, I want to share with you something that I felt very specifically for this congregation, but maybe something that God wants to do in the wider body of Josh Jen as well, is uh, I would say, what brand are you wearing? So, but before I do that, I want to take a selfie of us. Okay. Are you there? You there? Okay. All go, Jesus! Okay, well, okay. Let me just post this on Facebook quickly. But I want to see how many likes I get. Huh? <laughs> I think sometimes... The likes we get on Facebook and social media and all these things is often what defines what I feel about ourselves or the identity that God wants to give us. And I'm trusting this morning that I want to share with you just the brand that we should be wearing out loud. Okay, so I've been going through the book of uh, Acts through my personal devotion and I got to chapter 11 which talks about the church at Antioch. So I'm going to, that's going to be the core scripture. I may give you other scriptures along the way, but for time's sake, I may not give you all those that I came to share with, but it is the pl- first place in the New Testament church that they were called little Christs, Christian. You and I have a legacy being called Christian because of what happened in Antioch. Their brand their label, what they wore was Christian, little Christs. People saw something of Jesus in that congregation. And I'm hoping that there's a, a deposit of that in us and in this congregation that uh, a lot of what's happened this morning is exactly that. Hey, this is God just placing his, his mark on us afresh again by his Holy Spirit. So I'm going to try and get all the way to all the folk. Okay. So... One Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. You and I think this is a lot of what has happened this morning, what Adam was sharing. There's a brand that's been put upon us. The sin of the, the, that's, that's not a, is attached to us, but not us, has been removed. We are new creations. There's something God has done from within that's new, brand new. It's not, like, it's not just like a revamp of the old model. It's actually a new creation, something that started from the moment the Holy Spirit brought conviction in your life to now and what's going to keep you going 
is the work of the spirit that's done on the inside and you're filled up and you're pouring out your life in terms of what we look like as Christians. So I want to share with you just from Acts chapter 11, the church at Antioch. I'm going to read some of the scriptures just from that chapter. And just I want to give you four principles if I get through to them. All The one I'm not going to labor on too much because I felt that's exactly what happened this morning. Actually, uh, okay. So just to give you uh, a quick background on the church at Antioch. So obviously it was in New Testament times, probably within the first hundred years after Jesus came and was ascended to heaven. It was, a, it was a city of about 300 to 500,000 people. It was one of the largest cities uh, in the Roman Empire at that point in time. And it was a trade center, so many people from all nations would go there. But it was well known for being an extremely wealthy city. So it was a very difficult city as a Christian to go to. But the gospel hadn't been preached there yet. Okay, they say there was a street there, five-kilometer five main street, which was paved in marble. Roman heroes, the Roman heroes would go there to retire. And obviously, as you know, the culture that was uh, idolatry, was uh, permissive, everything, was, everything could go. Are you with me? It was a very immoral culture. And that is the background to this church. So this is all happening, all this is happening in Antioch. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, persecution breaks out and persecution against the Christians and the Christians are scattered but that was God's design see all those Christians what I love um, says your verse uh, Acts chapter 11 verse 19 to 21 says this now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia Cyprus and Antioch spreading the word only among the Jews some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, I want to ask a question. Hopefully this is not awkward, but I want to ask a question. How many of you in Brooklyn congregation, and maybe other congregations, come from a country outside of South Africa? Okay. Oh. Okay. How many of you came to South Africa because of many hardships in the country that you come from? Come on. It's hard hardship, okay? Or your parents or something with your or your parents came out of hardship, okay? <laughs> Difficult. So South Africa seemed like a dream to come to and all this kind of stuff. So your situation actually is quite similar. To what that how that church was established, not so. But of persecution, they were scattered. And what I loved about this passage was the people's names aren't there. The people who planted this church, people like yourselves, people that were scattered through hardship and pain, and, and persecution and difficulty. I think that's kind of what you're feeling. Eh? Kim felt something in the lap line. I think it's important to realize that the disciples followed Jesus because they thought he was a political leader who would rescue them from the Roman Empire. And the, the thought hadn't dawned on them that he was more than that. 
At one point, Peter had this little revelation that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. But then when the tacky hit the tar, and Jesus began to tell the disciples um, and teach them that he was going to suffer and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. That narrative didn't quite fit what they understood about Jesus. And actually, Peter, who had had this revelation that he was the Christ, actually took him aside and started to rebuke him and say to him, um, no, but you can't, you can't say that. Because in his mind, that was what Jesus came to do. And sometimes maybe that's who he is to us. He's coming to just kind of rescue us from our circumstances. But what they hadn't realized is that he was going to go to a cross and die to rescue them from an eternal circumstance, not from a present circumstance. And that, that's what they were going to do. He was going to the cross and he was going to die and he was going to be resurrected. And that's what we're doing. When we meet him, when we encounter him, there's a dying that takes place. But in that exchange for the life that we hand over, there is an exchange of the resurrected life of Jesus that comes in and enables us, as we take a hold of that, to rise above the circumstances because he's not, that power isn't, isn't here just to, to um, relieve us of the hardship and the pain of our present circumstance. That power is there to help us not only overcome those circumstances, but to spend an eternity with him. And so I really feel that today, guys, for you guys to understand that, that you're not alone, many of you, being foreigners in a land. Actually, we're all foreigners in a land. Those who call themselves Christians, who carry that label today, we're all foreigners. This is not our home. This is not a home. We all together are going one day to be with him in an eternal home. This is not our home. And so he has given us the power to overcome any of the challenges that we may face in this present day so that one day all of us foreigners are going to be together as one family in an eternal home. Beautiful how God works. Eh? Just, uh, just settling us in, in our identity in Christ. Eh? Beautiful. So Antioch, the church in Antioch, was God's plan. And he used nameless people to plant one of the, to start one of the greatest revivals in church history, which is still reverberating today. Everyone that calls themselves a Christian lives in the legacy of what happened in Antioch. Which is, which is a beautiful picture. So I wanted to look at the four character traits, which I want to just touch on from, the, from, the, from Acts chapter 11, on what is it that made the people around them to call them Christian, little Christ? 
What are the character traits or what are the foundations? Some of you responded this morning and I want to encourage you. So some of you want to need to be filled with courage. Some of you need to be uh, filled, with, uh, filled with hope. Some of you need to be filled with peace. Some of you need to be filled with joy. Uh, all of those, all of the above probably. <laughs> but I'm saying we are specifically. And these are the foundations of, that make the, the color of a label or whatever you want to call it that we're wearing in terms of Christian, okay, from this church. Number one was conviction of the message of the gospel. Conviction. The message was preached by these nameless, faceless people. And it says the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And I want to say that for me, the message of the gospel came to me when I was 10 years old. And the message of the gospel is still coming to me at nearly 60, at 63. The message of the gospel not only saves me, but it sustains me. Okay, so, we, so some of you responded uh, this morning or get recommitments, whatever the case is. When you respond, you came forward. I want to tell you that the message that Jesus died for me, that the Father in his beautiful, magnificent, perfect, unexpl- inexplicable love sent his Son because he loved me. And he sent his Son, as Kim was saying, to die for me. To set me free. This is the message of the gospel. It says Acts 13, verse 38 to 39. Wonderful summary. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. I love what Adam said this morning. It's not just freedom, it's victory. Because in Romans, somewhere it says we are more than conquerors. It means it's not just we conquer, we use that which you've conquered as, as, as a as a, a trophy of grace and of bringing others into freedom. We are more than conquerors. We're not just overcoming, we're actually overcoming, to live overcoming, so we can bring overcoming and victory to the lives of others. Amen? It's a beautiful, powerful message. So the message of the gospel, when I hear the message of the gospel, that Jesus loves me, that he sent his son for me, uh, Galatians 2.20 says, um, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the gospel definition over my life and is the definition of what it means to be a, a believer. My life no longer belongs to me. So the gospel message, what we heard this morning and the prophetic words and what Adam was feeling for, for his own life. Why do you think Adam and those many of you who already saved, been saved for many years, responded. Why is it Christians respond to a gospel message or respond to what the Lord is saying in a moment in a meeting? It's because of this. Because the gospel message never loses its power. Romans 1 verse 12 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's a power. It's an ongoing power that is available for ongoing salvation. Now, I'm not touching on... Someone saved. I'm not touching on that. I'm touching on that. I get saved. And I get, need to keep on getting saved. I need to grow... I'll touch on how that also looks on just now. So you're with me. The gospel. Ah, oh, is there a full conviction in our hearts 
that the message of the gospel, that Jesus came to earth, he lived as a man, he died on a cross to take away my sin, was raised from the dead, so to have overcoming over all sin, and now sits in heaven ruling on a throne forever and ever and ever and ever. Hello? If that doesn't impact your life today and tomorrow and the next day. So, how does this affect your relationships? So, let's talk about your career. For me to live is Christ to die is gain. The choice of my career is based on me getting somewhere in life or actually I'm going to reveal Christ more. In our relationship, when I start looking at a member of the opposite sex that I have a, my heart's beating for, is my life defined by the message of the gospel in my relationship? In other words, this person, and I, I'm all for getting married. I was at a marriage uh, on Friday for young people, 20, both about 22 years old. I love it. But is it based on the fact that my life doesn't belong to me? It's not about my needs and my wants and my, my passions. It's actually about in this relationship, however it looks, it's going to reveal more in Christ in me because my life no longer belongs to me. So actually, this relationship I'm entering to is actually not about me. It's about Christ. Hello out there. <laughs> so in other words, my life, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And when I'm in this relationship, if, there's more of, if I'm full of Jesus, then this relationship's going to be full of Jesus. And so I'm dying to self for I'm using these little examples. My career, the way I, the way I work, in my workplace. Can you see the gospel, the message of the gospel that my life no longer belongs to me, it resonates in my life and it resonates and it brings me to humility all the time. <laughs> because I need to be reflecting Christ more and more. And so we need to be convinced and convicted that the message of the gospel impacts me day in and day out. Amen? Amen. Every day, the gospel. When I was 10 years old, the beauty of the gospel message captivated my heart. I often preach, I can ask him, I often preach about the gospel. Why is it such a beautiful story? Because it's his love that draws me into a life of full devotion. His love draws me into a life of full devotion. Has the gospel message and does the gospel message hold you? Does it captivate you? It's a beautiful... I can't go into in detail, but man, this morning was all about the gospel. I loved it. So is that it? This morning was actually about the gospel message. Now, today, affecting this meeting today. Beautiful message. Amen? Point number two. So number one, those Christians, when they believe, there's full conviction. Are you full of conviction? Are you going to get out this door today? Full of conviction that the, the gospel is the power of God to keep me saved, to keep me close to him. Amen. Okay, Acts 11, verse 22 to 25. News, news of this reached this church growing in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas and Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace that God had done, there's a gospel message coming through, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man. This is Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Hello? Full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. What are you going to impart? 
okay? Holy Spirit, life, and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The second characteristic is consistency. Consistency to remain in the faith. He encouraged them to remain devoted in all their ways, all the time. Consistency. Keep on keeping on. Do you remember that? Will Marie. Keep on keeping on. The, these are choices we make. Uh, the, some of the stuff we... So the choice we make really, what I'm saying is surrender. <laughs> surrender. We, we're giving our lives. This is the, the, our lives don't belong to ourselves. And, uh, and, he, and what Barnabas did was he says he was a good man. In other words, he was full of goodness. <laughs> It's full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And he says almost, I want you to hold on to the joy that it is to serve Jesus. Hold on to that. Don't forget the work of Jesus in your life. Don't forget the grace upon your lives. There's great grace upon you now. Don't lose the, fu- the fullness of grace that you've received as a church. There's a lot of grace on this church. Keep going. And you know what? That grace became a base Oh, that came out. There we go. There were mission journeys, missionary journeys, Paul and Barnabas, and many missionary journeys that people that were sent into the mission field on mission trips from Antioch. It became a base because of grace. <laughs> like that, okay. Three things quickly, just what I felt with regard to uh, what Barnabas brought them. He brought full persuasion, fully persuaded in the goodness of God. He was a good man. Fully persuaded. Do you know and are you convinced in the goodness of God? This is how we stay consistent. How do we stay consistent? We need to know that God loves us. Well, just uh, the prayer that, is G, that the Father prayed or, or, the, or the, the statement that the Father gave over His Son Jesus should be what defines our ministry, leadership and everything where the Holy Spirit through the Father said to Jesus after he was baptized, you are my child, my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Before he began, began ministry, before he began walking on any miracles, nothing of that kind, that's what the Father said to you, I love you, you're my child, you're my boyki, and man, I'm pleased with you. The smile of the Father. Let the smile of the Father define your ministry. Okay, the goodness of God. We sing that song, your goodness Maybe we can sing that now. The goodness is running after me. Maybe we can do that now. Just as a response. His goodness running after us. Are we fully persuaded of the goodness of God? Secondly, are we fully positioned in the Holy Spirit? Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Do I have an intimate love relationship with the Holy Spirit? Hello? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an anointing. The Holy Spirit is God. He's the person whom Jesus sent to be our, to be our paracletos, to come alongside us, to be our friend. Uh, um, Adam was talking about God as being our friend. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it real. Walk intimately with the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
I'll touch on what Andrew, have you all watched the videos of Andrew and the manifestations of the spirit? Did you watch that? Okay. I'll touch on that uh, later on. But I love the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you? Do you love the work of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to touch on that just now what he looks. So it's fully persuaded that God is good. Fully positioned in, in, the, in the Holy Spirit and full of faith in the promise of God. Am I convinced that he'll do what he says in my life? And I say true to the promise. We look at the church building in Mossel Bay that happened, and it's, a, it's a, quite a long story, but we've been there recently. And uh, the promise that God gave us in the year 2000 when we planted that church, that that church would be a base. And we were meeting about 25, 30 of us in a school building. One of my first preachers were, we are a base. We're going to be sending teams to the nations. Six church plants later, and we're sending teams to the nations. And I wasn't even part of it. I was part of it the first 10 years, but now. And we are just overwrought, staying the course. Keeping the promise, you said, God, you said we stay. When we went through tough times, the building was halfway finished and, and we're going through a very difficult time, a literal drought in Mossel Bay. Uh, worst drought in 100 years. I'm talking about physical drought. People had to leave. We, we lost a lot of folk because of physical work situations. And we had started a project which was going to be seven or eight million rand. But God, you said. We're staying true. Consistency. What you say, you will do. Do you believe the promise? Are you full of the promises of God and you trust God? Amen? Okay. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 23 to 25 says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another daily and all the more as you see that day approaching so there's this thing we do together we trust in God he is good he is faithful he's given us his Holy Spirit come on there's no reason in this world to backslide accepting the choices you make The Bible says God has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. And he's given us people as well in the gifts. None of you need to ever, ever backslide or fall away from the Lord. I speak that over you. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus, by your spirit, that every single person here would grab a hold of the truth of your goodness that you're present and that you're faithful and that they'd hold on no matter what it is and when they're going through a difficult time, they would reach out, God, so that none would be lost. That all would stay true and stay on course because your goodness is running after him. Your goodness and your love and your tangible presence, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just felt to do that for you guys. Is this, is this encouraging? I hope it is. And just uh, so, so that church, first of all, the message of Jesus, of Christ, they received with great conviction. The consistency was because of the presence of Christ there. They knew by the Holy Spirit. And then uh, 
Acts chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. This is carrying on. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now there's happening, things are happening in this church. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. Here we go. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Little Christ. So there's teaching. What I'm doing now is a little bit of what they did for a year. Teaching, going just over scriptures, teaching. Teaching what it means to be a Christian. What it means to look like Jesus. What it means to conform to the image of Jesus. Jesus became the absolute focus of their lives. They wore Jesus on the outside. This was the label. This was their brand. This is what people saw in their lives. It wasn't only external work. It was the internal work that God did. Um, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, talks about us being changed from one degree of glory to another. There's this thing that happens. And so the, the, third, the third trait is those who are conforming to the image of Christ. who are committed to growing in Christ. Just wanted to say something about this thing of brand. They're wearing the brand name of Christian, and it's that that defines him. Many times we wear brand names like Polo, like Adidas, to give us dignity. And I'm not getting. I'm not getting at the guys because we, we, we do wear brand names. But if that brand name gives you dignity and a sense of self-worth, then something's wrong. Okay? Something's wrong if the, the, the brand name Christian gives us dignity and self-worth. And if we are striving to be able to afford brand names that are going to make us somebody something's wrong. And so that's really what I want us to understand, that this brand name Christian gives us dignity. Our identity and destiny are in Christ. Your identity and your destiny is in Christ alone. I think that Adam shared that uh, big time just, uh, just now, that identity is in Christ. Amen. You with me? Just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give the scriptures, but just for those who've taken notes or whatever, or just make it sink in. How do we keep growing in Christ? Number one, give yourself to God as an act of worship. Romans 12 verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is a devotion of self too. I'm going to stand before God one day, me. Just me and you, not me. I devote myself. I devote myself. Number two, give yourself to what God is doing. I've mentioned Ephesians 4, verse 11, which is 4. Give yourself to the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, and the pastors. Give yourself to what God is doing in 412 Church. Give yourself to what God is doing in Joshua Generation Church. Give yourself, and you will grow. I assure you, you will grow. I've grown in the 10 years, 11, no, nearly 13 years. On my way to 13 years with Josh Jen, I've grown. If you're not growing, get into a church that is growing. (laughs) 
and just get dragged along somehow. Okay. So give yourself as a living offering, uh, as a living sacrifice. Give yourself to what God is doing through a local church and to what God is doing in, the, in, our, in our context, in the bigger context. Number three, give yourself to his word. Give yourself to his word. All scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, etc., etc., that you may be thoroughly equipped. Number four, probably the most important, is give yourself to the person of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, endurance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe just in a moment we can give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Just, just when I land, I'm going to land quite quickly now. That we give ourselves to the person of the Holy Spirit, man. You know, we learned about the manifestations of the Spirit. Don't look for the manifestations of the Spirit. That teaching the Bible that Andrew gave was to explain that we need to expect manifestations of the Spirit. But we don't run after the manifestation of the Spirit. We chase God. Become a spirit chaser. Become a spirit drinker. The person of the Holy Spirit. Finally, Acts chapter 11, verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in front uh, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. The disciples, as each one was able, made a conscious choice, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Compassion to serve. Loving others. Loving others. There was this generosity of heart that they wanted just to give. So what, God, what has God given you? What has God given you to serve His church, to love His church? Use it. Use the gifts you've been given. Uh, Romans 12, verse 4 to 6 speaks about we have each been given a gift. Therefore, serve God with the gifts you've been given. We serve. I'm going to write I'm, this I wrote down this morning. We serve one another not because it's the right thing to do, but because we love one another and because we belong to one another. We don't love because we are good stewards of God's gifts. We are stewards of God's gifts because we are lovers of God. Can I say that again? <laughs> we don't love because we are good stewards of God's gifts. We are stewards of God's gifts because we are lovers of God. We serve one another not out of duty but because of delight. Hello. It's a beautiful thing to serve and I know you guys do that well. I want to encourage you to keep going. Romans 12 verse 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This, this church was known for being generous, for giving of what Little they may have had. Remember that Christians were persecuted. It was difficult. They may not have had a lot, but they decided, this is what I have. I'm going to send my gift. I'm going to give my gift. I want to encourage you. If you haven't been giving and contributing and participating, 
in this congregation as a member and those of you from other congregations, now's the time. Now's the time. People need to see that you're a little Christ because the gifts that are given are from Christ. I, I, I remember when we moved, and a lot of you might, I'm sure in this congregation have heard of, I had heard of the stories of when people move from one house to another. There you go, Daryl. <laughs> and I just remember when we moved from, um, from Mulleton Ridge through to Flamingo Flay, that guys from the congregation come and got a truck for us, bucky for us. They moved. This, they didn't have to come. They, put all the, they moved a piano. <laughs> and they moved big furniture and heavy stuff. And they didn't have to. But they wanted to because there was a devotion to us and we felt the love of we felt the love of God. We felt the love of God in that. I'm gonna read you um, a verse from the book of Gandalf. In the, in, in the Lord of the Rings. You like it? <laughs> and I say that this, what I'm going to read to you from the book of Gandalf, <laughs> is the greatest manifestation of the Spirit. The greatest manifestation of the Spirit. Gandalf says this, Some believe it is only the great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I found. I found it is in the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. Um, just on that point about serving and the faithfulness what God with, uh, using what God has called us to use translates into every little thing. It translates into what you do in this building. If you are going to be serving coffee and tea, if that's what you're going to be doing that day, your act of service is to do that well so that the brand that you carry, that brand is demonstrated to others. That brand of Christian, that when you're serving coffee at the back, people that are coming in know that you prepared for it and they receive it with love. Whether it's making sure that you're on duty and you're going to be sorting out the toilets, that the toilet paper, the hand towels and everything, are there. are there. It's a demonstration, demonstration of, love. of love. So it's a faithfulness in everything that happens within the life of this church. If that is what you're serving in that day, remember to do it wholeheartedly, not for the people that are coming, but because of the one that you serve. So... We're going to end it with a, with a song of worship. I think just maybe a song of declaration and just, man, I want to I be a Christian. 
I want people to know the brand of my life is Little Christ. Demonstrating Little Christ. And let me give you, let me be really royal with it. Can you hear the echo? <laughs> what it means to be a little Christ, very, very practically. Leader asks you to be at quarter to nine in the morning. What time should you be here? 8.30? Little things. Acts of kindness. Visitors. Guys at the door. You're doing well. The guys at the door. Wherever you serve, acts of kindness. I am, people will know me and Kim, we are spirit junkies. I love the move of the spirit. Don't always like what the spirit does to me because it's not very dignified. But I love the move of the Spirit. But if the move of the Spirit doesn't move me to small acts of love and kindness, then it's just a move. Then it's just a move of God. It doesn't impact my life. It's in the little things. The little things. I want to encourage you guys. What's going what's, what's gonna, what's gonna to be the definition of a you as a congregation or us as people? Little Christ's. Is that the label you're wearing? Is that what people see? Is that the bright colors that you're wearing for people to see that they know we are known to be called Christian in the little things? Some of us are going to go into nations. Some of us are going to have, we've got big, when I say big destiny, we're going to go into nations and preaching. But most of us in church are those who are going to be known as Christians in the background, serving kids' church. Hello? Hello? I think there's a lot of you who could be serving kids' church just as a matter of interest because they're our children. Our children. Your children. Spiritually. And they need to see moms and dads and brothers and sisters serving and loving them, bringing them into the kingdom. Using that as an example. Serving at the door, welcoming. Coffee. Going to come. Serving the leaders. All these things, the little things I tell you, all accumulate to faithfulness, consistency, and to a, to a congregation will be known. Brooklyn, Christians, <laughs> little cross. Amen.